Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. This is Wednesday, October the 8th, and it is a feast of St. Dominic. However, it is also a feast of another saint that I think it's really great that it's his feast day today because we're going to talk about the Camino for Santiago de Compostela, and this is the fam- This is St. Famianus of Compostela. Pardon me, Compostela, who uh, actually was born in Cologne, but he spent a lot of time uh, in that area and uh, was a Cistercian monk there. So with that, uh, how are you doing today, Dennis? Good morning, Gene. I'm doing very well. Good. Yeah, it's it's nice to be behind the mic and, and producing here for a change. It's uh, got to get the cobwebs out. I forget how to do it. Well, you have to send Thaddeus on vacation more often then. No, he's doing fine. He's got the day off. So thanks be to God for all he does. So, uh, yeah, good morning to you and uh, howdy to all our Red Sea Catholic Radio listeners in Palestine and in Waco and in the Bryan College Station area. And there, you were telling me earlier that our friends in Palestine had some problems. I think all morning. of you had internet outage. I know for sure at 3.50 a.m., one of my babies, your station in Palestine, gave me a call and wouldn't stop calling me. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's um, the the internet went out. I, I think Palestine wide and maybe part of East Texas wide, but it came on in in time for the show. Thanks be to God. Yes, I am so grateful to be able to have the people in Palestine hear our guest today. Yes, indeed. So we're very excited about Deacon Dave coming on in the second part of the show, and we got a good lineup for the first part of the show. Gene, what do you have? I I am just about vacant. That was the extent of what I have for the first part of the show. <laughs> you have other other information about the the, the saint that you wanted to share? Or well, he, he started his, his his journey to the priesthood with some minor orders at the age of eighteen, and uh, apparently he was from a very wealthy family. Gave everything away and became a pilgrim to Rome and the Holy Lands, and he ended up in Compostela, Spain, in eleven fifteen, and. Stayed there for 25 years as a hermit, and then he became a Cistercian, and he made another pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He died, actually died in Gales, Umbria, Italy, in 1150. So uh, he didn't so, even make it back home to die. So any of our uh, Italian listeners from St. Anthony's here and Brian want to correct Gene, you can call in and oh, please correct don't. him on his pronunciation, because I was— I certainly am not going to correct him because I'm I'm not touching those words with a ten foot pole. So okay. Hey, I have some announcements if you sure, don't mind. Go ahead. Um, a couple of things. We do have a, an interview coming up in just a few moments with Sarah Ramirez from Catholic Charities. They've got a great announcement about a grant they received, and so we're gonna um, gonna interview her in just a few minutes. But I did want to talk about our garage sale that benefits Red Sea Catholic Radio. Many people around Texas know who. Uh, who the organization is when I say KJZT, and it's the Catholic Family Fraternal of Texas. Oh, I thought it was a radio station. No, that's actually not. It's a, That would be a good name for a radio station, though. But um, KJZT is the Catholic Czech Family Fraternal of Texas. They have a charity garage sale each year. Typically, it would have happened this past weekend, but because of some construction, 
they moved it back a month. And so Labor Day, on Labor Day itself, it'll be at St. Joseph's Elementary School Gym in Bryan. So it's an unusual time to have a garage sale. So we're hoping it it brings a lot of people out still because it's a great charitable event. And we are one of the charities that it greatly benefits each year. And I'll be out there in the sun selling some furniture and everything on the outside if it's not raining. So we want people to come on September 3rd, which is Labor Day garage sale coming up just around the corner. And we've got a benefit dinner coming up too, don't we? Yeah, I was going to talk about that next as well. Our reservations are open for tables or tickets November 1st. That's right. It's on All Saints Day. So you're thinking, hmm, that's kind of an overlap. I don't know. I've got to go to Mass. Of course you do. But we invite you to go to Mass first at the parish of your choice or locally you could go to St. Thomas Aquinas at 6 p.m. Mass there followed up by opening the doors, and our benefit will be pushed back by half an hour this year because of that. But our theme is going to be the saints, Catholic heroes, past and present. And I can't think of a better theme than the saints on All Saints Day. That's right. So, Who is the the, uh, main speaker? The speaker this year is Tom Peterson. If you've heard some of our spots on Catholics Come Home on our radio or have ever seen some of their television spots, either national or regional by the market, they are bringing people back to the church like gangbusters. And so Tom Peterson is the founder of Catholics Come Home. And you know what? He spoke recently at the men's conference for the Diocese of Austin. And I thought, "Mm, I'm not sure how that's going to be. It's, you know, I've never really heard of Tom Peterson besides knowing he founded an organization we were so excited about his presentation, and it's going to be about everyday Catholic heroes and being just ways that we can evangelize in the smallest of ways, but make the, the biggest of difference in so many people's lives. He's a very dynamic speaker. We're very excited to have him. The moment we heard him, about five, ten minutes into that presentation, we were doing a live broadcast from the Catholic uh, Men's Conference, and I turned to Thaddeus and said, we've got to get him for our benefit dinner. He's like, exactly. He was thinking the same thing, and so we're very excited to have him in, and he's going to talk about Catholic heroes past and present and being an everyday Catholic hero around the theme of the saints. So it's going to be great. November 1st at 7 p.m., go to our website at redsearadio.org. And uh, that will be local here in the Brazos Valley. It'll be at St. Thomas Aquinas Church, November 1st. So go to redsearadio.org, click on the uh, Saints banner, or you can go to uh, forward slash donate and get straight, I'm sorry, forward slash benefit and get straight to that that website. And you're telling our friends in the Waco and the Palestine area that it might be worth the drive just to hear Tom Peterson. It may be. You know, uh, uh, Palestine, it's a bit of a... a Two-hour drive, Waco, you've got your benefit coming up in next April, but uh, we just had uh, Patrick Madrid in recently, so if you wanted to wait until then, you can come see Tom Peterson if you don't want to wait until okay. later. So one other thing I wanted to mention, too, is we've been uh, running some announcements on the air about uh, needing some funding, and we're chipping away at it, but we're down to about 2508 on our monthly operational deficit. And uh, we've had a couple of generous one-time donors, but that doesn't get us by month to month. So if you've heard those announcements, we want you to become a monthly donor of any amount. We uh, thank God for all of our donors, but uh, these monthly donors help keep us on the air 
and functioning month to month. So forward slash donate at our website, redsearadio.org forward slash donate if you want to start a monthly donation for that. So um, we have an interview that I did uh, with uh, Sarah Ramirez, and it was on the phone, and so it's going to be a recorded interview, and I'm going to play that for you now, talking about that. And as we wrap that up, we're going to lead that in probably straight into the break and, and jump right into it. And after the break, we'll have Deacon Dave oh, Mays man. What talking am I? about his Camino to Santiago de Compostela. Uh, Deacon Dave is waving at me. Don't say this. He's one of my absolute most favoritest people in the world. Well, yes. And I said that as a bad sentence on purpose, but I love this guy. <laughs> I truly love Deacon Dave, and I know you are too. So why don't we play the interview that I ran with uh, and recorded with Sarah Ramirez from Catholic Charities. So here it is. I'm going to read you a little bit about Catholic Charities of Central Texas. With offices in Bryan College Station, Colleen, and Austin, Catholic Charities of Central Texas is dedicated to helping people of all ages, faiths, ethnic backgrounds, and economic circumstances, and they work to strengthen families and address their basic needs of residents Across 25 counties in Texas, they offer counseling, disaster response, financial stability, uh, immigration legal services, support for expecting and new parents, and veteran services to top all this off. And I'm very proud today to be talking to Sarah Ramirez, the executive director of Catholic Charities of Central Texas. Sarah, thank you for joining us on this telephone interview. Ah, thanks for having me, Dennis. It's an honor to be able to talk with you and share with the community the impact of Catholic Charities. Y'all received a $350,000 grant to support Hurricane Harvey relief, primarily in LaGrange in our Austin Diocese. So if you could tell our listeners about this and how you're going to put the money to use. Sure. So, Dennis, before we get started, I just want y'all to know y'all can't see me, but I have the biggest smile on my face. We could not be more honored to be granted this 350000 from Catholic Charities USA. It really shows to our global community the respect and integrity that our Catholic Charities has and the trust that our global Catholic community has in us to be able to help families recover for, from a disaster. It is an honor, so isn't it? So we could not be more excited. Yeah. So for this, um, with Catholic Charities USA, we were awarded this grant for 350000 and this is to help families continue on the recovery phase uh, 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 that were impacted by Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Mm-hmm. And $350,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money, but I want to just give a little bit of context for everybody. There's really a great way to look at disaster, and it's in two phases. The first one is the sprint. The sprint is emergency response, getting people, one, to safety. The second is making sure they have food, clothing, and shelter. Immediate needs. And that's exactly right, Dennis. And we are actually through that phase now. And to date, in just individuals impacted by Hurricane Harvey, we have served over 3,100 individuals and distributed it out over $400,000 in helping people with rental assistance, hotel stays, temporary housing. And now it is time for us to move into the marathon. And so that's and more marathon, of the long-term, long-term recovery team? That's exactly right, Dennis. Um, And this marathon phase, we like to keep repeating that because it's not quick. We have families that will work through the long-term recovery phase for the next probably three to four years. Wow. And so this $350,000 from Catholic Charities USA will allow us to help families in LaGrange 
mm-hmm. um, because over 250 homes were damaged and 175 were completely destroyed. In Lagrange, use this mm-hmm, in Lagrange alone. Wow, I did not know it's that. It's huge, huge, and so this money from CCUSA will actually help us rebuild those homes that were Beautiful. destroyed. Definitely a long-term recovery need, and and Fayette County, which Lagrange is in, correct? Yes, sir. They they have a long-term recovery team, and y'all work together with them. And y'all have some certain challenges I know that y'all have to face. So can you list some of those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. So with the long-term recovery, it is made up of organizations like Catholic Charities who do long-term disaster response. Mm -hmm. And so what we do for the families that are still in the process of rebuilding their lives, instead of them having to go from organization to organization, we come together as one team, as a long-term recovery, and the families can do a one-stop shop. They come in, All of us are sitting at the table. They tell us what their needs are. And as a collective group, we rally together to get them back on the ground to to success. Mm -hmm. And an example I can give you is if somebody had a $150,000 home and it was um, completely destroyed, and maybe they had absolutely no insurance but got some funding from FEMA. Well, the most we know they can get from FEMA is $32,000. So that family then still needs to come up with another $118,000 to be able to rebuild their home. And they don't have that money. And maybe they don't have the credit to go out and get another loan. That's where we at the long-term recovery will pull our resources together. Um, We make sure that there are valid contractors, um, well-respected in the community who are going to help rebuild these homes so the Mm -hmm. families are not victimized again. And then we pull our money together, put it in the pot, and we go get their home rebuilt for them. But beyond that, that's kind of simple. That's bricks and mortar. All you need is a little bit of time and a little bit of money to accomplish that. But the real work of that long-term recovery team is the case management. It's helping families that have struggled with the trauma um, maybe get counseling. I cannot tell you how many times after a disaster that when it starts raining, children will start crying. Yes. They'll start asking questions of, are we safe, right? Because, because of the trauma that they went through. And so in that long-term recovery, we work to not just rebuild the home, but to rebuild the whole family and get them back to a pre-disaster state. Yes. That's, that's just, I'm glad you brought that up because I've, I've had some personal experience helping um, counsel kids in the Beaumont area after Katrina, and then Rita came to chase them soon thereafter. And yeah, they these people really felt like hurricanes were chasing them personally. So that's a very yeah. critical component of, of helping people. And it's I'm, I'm glad you're going to be able to help them out in this way using this grant money. Now, you've got more households you're going to be helping out moving forward. Do you know approximately how many more that have been affected by Harvey that you're going to be able to help and how sure. you're going to help them? Yeah. So we have we have anticipated with this 350000 to help 200 of those households with rental assistance, um, like paying a couple of months of the rent while they're rebuilding their financial pot. Uh-huh. We're also going to be using that money to refurbish their homes. So keeping in mind, you rebuild a home, they still need beds, they need a microwave, they need a a refrigerator, they need materials in the home. So we'll do that with about 
about 200 households. And then there are 50 households that we will do complete home rebuilds. Just in LaGrange. So we have a lot of work ahead of <laughs> a, us. A lot of people were, were thinking this affected people just on the coast or maybe in Houston, because Houston, everybody heard about what happened in Houston, but not many people have heard what happened in LaGrange. And so 50 complete rebuilds, you said. Yes, sir. Out of um, 175 were completely destroyed, and we, Catholic Charities of Central Texas, is taking responsibility for 50 of those homes. Well, God bless you for that. That's in, that's incredible. Now, not only the homes, they need other services. You mentioned counseling. What other that's types right. of services are there other than, say, disaster services that y'all will be yeah, providing? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So we will help individuals with any counseling needs, the emergency financial aid, which is what we've already talked about. Right. But we all one thing sometimes we forget is that when people's homes are destroyed or a flood comes through, they may lose very important documents. So we help with ex- expedited document replacement, whether it be for proof of naturalization, immigration, driver's license, work uh, permits, any of that, uh, any of those sort of materials that help people get back to self-sufficiency. Um, we'll do the material assistance in the home, the beds, the sheets, the comforters, and then also the home rebuild. So it's a really holistic approach in, mm-hmm. in the way we work with each of the families. But beyond just a disaster response, the beauty of it is, as Catholic Charities, we have six innovative programs at our organization, and disaster response is just one of them. So mm-hmm. while we're meeting with a family working through disaster response, we may actually recognize that their pre-disaster state was not um, a very good state for them to be in, meaning yeah. that they may not have enough income coming in for their expenses even before the disaster. So with that, we can recognize it and get them enrolled in our financial stability program where they can learn budgeting, um, money management. We can help them analyze how they're spending their money and different ways in which they can approach that so that at the end of every month, they're ending with a little bit of money in the bank instead of ending in the red. That is such a tremendous blessing. My goodness. Well, uh, we thank God that you've been able to receive this $350,000 grant from Catholic Charities USA. And I will tell people, no one can stretch a dollar of, of charitable giving like Catholic Charities of Central Texas. And I, I think that's something that's a credit to to the organization that you all put together and continue to run on a day-to-day basis for so many families in need. So if there are other families that need help, maybe through the Har- Hurricane Harvey uh, disaster recovery, or any other support, how can they get in touch with you uh, at the agency, Catholic Charities Absolutely. Central Texas? So we have a hotline dedicated to disaster response, okay. and that number is 512-766-7111. Say it one more and time. anyone who's impacted by uh, Hurricane Harvey can call that line. We have case managers ready to answer the calls and start working with them through that process. Say that number and one more time. Uh, the number is yes, 512-766-7111. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say thank you for oh, the yeah. acknowledgement of our stewardship, because, Dennis, it is utmost 
priority and important to us that as much money as possible goes directly to client services. And in fact, I am so proud to announce that historically we've had about a 13% administrative rate. Mm -hmm. And just this last year, we got it down to just 11, 11%, meaning 89 cents of every dollar goes directly to client services. Mm -hmm. But the one caveat I have is in our disaster response, 100% of every donation we get for disaster goes to directly to the families. Yeah. Great job. Great job. Thank you so much for all you do, Sarah, and for everyone at Catholic Charities of Central Texas, what you're going to be doing in the LaGrange area with this wonderful grant money. We thank God that, that that's come about, and that's going to impact a lot of families. And so everyone keep them in your prayers as they continue the long-term recovery and send a prayer of thanksgiving for everything that the good folks at Catholic Charities are doing. Amen. All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for the interview, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. All right, my friend. Hope y'all have a great day. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Bye bye. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm Gene Wilhelm, your host, and I have as my guest today Deacon Dave Mays. And I thought how appropriate that music was because we were talking a little bit ago about his cattle. <laughs> how are you doing, Mr. Mr. Dave Mays? Deacon Dave Mays, and I'm probably going to end up calling you Dave because that's fine. Please do do. I I, uh, I call myself that too. You know. Well, I'm glad. And uh, yeah. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, we we're talking about the cattle. I was a little worried about the uh, the water holes drying up out there. It's, it's been awfully hot, and uh, that's news to anybody I know. Well, you know, uh, this sun this Sunday, the reading is uh, from the first book of Kings about Elijah running off to Beersheba and beyond to Horeb after he had brought the uh, rain at Mount Carmel and had the hundred or four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal uh, slain, and then he ran off because Jezebel was going to kill him. Uh, maybe we can pray to St. Elijah to bring the rain back. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, <clears throat> let's watch about, let's be careful about the religious people being killed, though, okay? Yes, that's right. Now, a lot of people don't know who you are. You're a deacon at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station, but yes. they don't know a lot about you. And I think that some of our listeners, particularly those outside of this area, would really appreciate knowing who you are and, and just a little bit of who you are and what 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 you do. Okay, sure. Um I was born in, uh, in <clears throat> I, I want to make sure you understand, I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Ohio. Uh, and uh, uh, so you, I came. Were you kidnapped? No, <laughs> no, no. My, my dad was in the military. We moved around quite a bit. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was actually born in, in Fort Hood back when it was Camp Hood, back when the Indians were still a, a concern. Yep. Uh, but the, uh, I've been in this community since roughly 1965 when I came down here as a freshman to be in the Corps of Cadets at A&M. And uh, except for five years uh, working in Austin at the American Statesman um, as a reporter and editor, I've uh, I've been here uh, all this time. Um, I uh, 
I majored in journalism at A&M, and uh, the best thing that ever happened to me in that whole experience was in my first journalism class, I, I met my wife, uh, my future wife, Fancy. And uh, we have uh, two children, uh, Logan, who is a youth minister at uh, St. Thomas More in uh, Austin, the Catholic church there. And uh, then Sarah, uh, our younger child, is uh, a financial officer at uh, Texas A&M, the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And uh, so... Uh, we we saw pretty quickly this is the great place to live, and uh, so we haven't uh, we haven't left. I uh, I came late to the Catholic Church, um, age fifty. My wife uh, uh, passed away a, a year ago uh, in June. She was a uh, just a, an amazing um, Catholic woman uh, of Italian descent, red haired. So you know she had a temper, but uh, I was uh, <clears throat> she was Christ to me, and she. Uh, uh, she eventually persuaded me that the Catholic faith was the true faith. And I, uh, I became a Catholic at age 50 in 1997. Ten years later, I was ordained a deacon. Uh, I was surprised that they took me, uh, but I felt like I, I really had some lost time to make up for. I've been a deacon uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas Parish uh, ever since. My ministries have been focused largely on RCIA and adult faith formation. More lately, I've gotten into helping uh, folks with their um, uh, marriage annulment petitions. And uh, I also do some volunteer work at the Women's Federal Prison in Bryan uh, with uh, Deacon Andy Perone of St. Thomas, uh, excuse me, of St. Anthony's. Mm-hmm. Well, you had an adventure very different from most of us this summer. Uh, you went on the Camino Santiago de Compostela? Yes, that's very good. Your Spanish is about as good as mine, Gene. Uh, well, I wish been, it was a higher compliment. But. Well, <laughs> well, I'll take it. But tell us a little bit about what that is and why. First, a little bit. What is the Camino? And some of you may have seen the movie The Way a number of years ago with right. uh, Martin Sheen in it. That right. Was talking that was based on that. But tell us a little bit about the the Camino and what it is and why people do it. Okay, sure. Um, uh, the Camino, Camino, of course, stands for, it's Spanish for road or way, and uh, the uh, Camino de Santiago is the way of St. James. Santa, uh, Santiago, uh, St. Saint, Saint James um, is uh, And Spanish. I understand, I uh, did a little research, and that is in a dialect that is spoken in that part of Spain, I think Galice, Galician. Galician, yes. Um, there, <clears throat> there are some dialects. I'm, uh, I'm not sure the difference in the pronunciations, uh, but... Uh, Anyway, pilgrims um, um, have been making this this journey to uh, Santiago de Compostela. It, it, it's the home. It's where the Cathedral of St. James is, is, was built. Uh, they've been going for a thousand years, Gene. Mm-hmm. And uh, in medieval in medieval times, it was one of the three great pilgrimages that a, that one could make. Um, the other two uh, were uh, uh, the, the pilgrimage to uh, Jerusalem, of course. To, to go to the Holy Sepulchre, um, uh, where Christ was uh, uh, was entombed. Um, the other, Rome, to the tombs of St. Peter and St. Paul. And then this one, um, the tomb of St. James. Now, um, there are two St. James that were apostles. Which one is this? Yeah, this is St. James, uh, the elder, um, who's the brother of John, uh, one of the two sons of thunder, one of the original 12. And uh, he was... Uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the reasons people made excuse me one of the reasons people made um, pilgrimages in those times was uh, to receive um, uh, plenary indulgences uh, essentially time off 
from purgatory. Um, now, you know, St. Saint, Saint James, uh, the legend is that uh, the known world is divided among the apostles uh, and the Iberian Peninsula, which is mainly Portugal and Spain, fell to St. James. And legend has it that he actually went to uh, Spain, northern Spain, uh, a town uh, that's rather famous called Finisterra, which literally means the end of the world because yes. it, you, you, in those days you, you looked out in the, in the sea and, and you, you just assumed that the world ended at some point beyond mm -hmm. that. Uh, he came there, preached some supposedly, and then came back, went back to Jerusalem where he was beheaded by uh, Herod Agrippa in the year 42. That's uh, what he gets for going back home. Right. <laughs> well, uh, he didn't stay there because uh, according to, again, according to legend, after his martyrdom, he, uh, his body was uh, brought, um, and then two, two followers were, were carried in a stone boat, uh, perhaps guided by angels. They were brought back and buried near this town, Finisterra, uh, and a local queen there by the name of Lupa uh, provided a marble tomb. Well, there's where the apostle lay, forgotten f until about the ninth century. And then a shepherd named Pelagius, uh, perhaps uh, that, well, that was his name, had a vision of a star or a field of stars mm -hmm. um, that led him to this ancient tomb uh, containing the, uh, the body of St. James and, the, and his two followers. And a, a local bishop uh, promptly declared that the reigns, reigns to be truly of St. James and, and his, uh, his two men. Uh, so a, a small village named Campos de la Stella, field of stars and a monastery, was built there. And uh, news of the discovery spread, uh, began attracting pilgrims. Miracles seemed to have occurred, uh, attracting more, more uh, pilgrims, and more and more people came. Um, the pilgrim site was promoted by uh, a powerful archbishop in Galicia. That is the province where the, uh, uh, the town, Santiago, Santiago de Compostela, grew. And uh, the, cathedrals are, the cathedral to guard the, the tomb of St. James, which was begun in 1075, was completed in present form. And... Uh, in 1750. Wow, that's a long building yeah. program. Yeah. <laughs> they must have had problems raising funds like some of our churches do. <laughs> right. Well, they, they built a magnificent edifice. It was, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, so by the 12th century, thousands of pilgrims were coming to the site. And uh, towns along the way saw commercial value in accommodating pilgrims. Um, uh, hospitals, literally places of rest, uh, were provided, bridges built over rivers, uh, religious orders and knights uh, supported and protected the uh, pilgrims known as peregrinos in Spanish. Um, by, by, the, by the time of the Reformation, however, pilgrimage started tapering off, indulgences were highly criticized at the time, mm -hmm. um, and wars and disruptions contributed uh, to, the, to the, really the decline of the pilgrimage uh, right into the 20th century. Uh, it's interesting, Gene, that in 1990, excuse me, 1988, only 30 years ago, there were no, no more than 3,500 pilgrims who uh, were counted on the Camino for that whole year. Uh, this year, more than 300,000 are expected. Wow. And, and the Camino is not a, uh, a hike for some, the faint of heart, is it? Well, it's, uh, it's mainly, it's, it's long. Uh, and there are a number of, um, there are a whole range of Caminos, a number of them. There are about six that are the most popular. We went on the most popular, which is the Camino de Frances, which is the, the, the French Camino, it's known, it's known as. You start at, uh, Saint, at the base of the Pyrenees, uh, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, uh, right there at the French-Spanish border. Uh, and then uh, it's about 500 miles or 790 kilom kilometers to Santiago And you don't there. take a scooter to do that, do you? <laughs> no, but there are people who bike it. And uh, there are some who ride horseback 
Uh, but you did it on foot. We did it on foot. Yeah, we, we sure did. Um, uh, so um, there's a, I think what's, what's helped popularize, you know, the question is, okay, why did we go from, from uh, you know, just 3,500 pilgrims in the 80s to uh, uh, 300,000? Now I think the, the movie that you mentioned, The Way, um, came out in 2010. That really helped provide a bump in the, in the number mm-hmm. of pilgrims. Also, uh, that was the last holy year. Holy years are those uh, years in which the, um, the feast day of St. James, which is July 25th, falls on a Sunday. So uh, when that happens, it's, it's a holy year. Special indulgences are given. Uh, there's a real spike in, in the pilgrimages. So uh, our, uh, our last year was 2010, last holy year. The next, the next one is uh, 2021. A good time maybe for you to go, Gene, if you'd like to go. Uh, I'll, my walker and I will do a very good job. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the the Camino is is something uh, that you said like three hundred thousand people do. And when we were talking a week or so ago, I think it was, uh, you mentioned that the motivation for people to make the Camino is quite varied. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, there. Are <clears throat> Back in medieval times, uh, the sense was the indulgence was the was the big uh, uh, motivator. Uh, now it's more to receive, uh, I think, the Compostela, which is a certificate of completion. And uh, to get that, one uh, one either hikes the full Camino or some part of it. Uh, uh, but to qualify for a certificate, at, at the very least, you must you must uh, walk 100 kilometers uh, on the which Camino. Which is about 75, 80 miles. Right? Yes. Yes. So you start in Saria, which is, um, uh, you know, about a uh, hundred kilometers from, from Santiago and you can get a certificate there. It's, uh, it's really a kind of a neat looking thing. It's, it's meant in Latin, it's written in Latin. And, uh, so you're not sure exactly what it says, but it's beautiful language. And then right on the spot, they will fill in your, your name in uh, beautiful, uh, calligraphy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when I got my certificate, uh, I became David M. Mays. Um, uh, they Latinized it by, but my real name is Davis, so it should have been Davis M. Mays. But I'm not <laughs> going to, I'm not going to go uh, do another Camino just to get that uh, uh, correction made. I just, uh, well, uh, well you, was that certificate good when you try to get into heaven? Then, well, if I could figure out a way to bring it, I, I think. Uh, I, th- I think that might be uh, worthwhile, but but supposedly you you get discounts on um, museum uh, if you present that certificate, you get d- discounts in a, going to the museums there in Santiago. Uh, but you were telling me that some people are there just for the exercise. Yes, and of course the motives are, are are wide ranging. I mean, there's there's tremendous history along the way. Uh, there are history buffs that that go. Um, you know, that we're, we're going through a, a part of northern Spain that. Uh, well, you know, not like Texas, where you know we we sort of trace our uh, um, yeah, our history from the last two hundred years or so. Uh, you know, go back thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, along the trail, there's a, a um, finding of uh, perhaps the earliest human beings ever to live in Europe uh, along, along this mm-hmm. uh, along the Camino. So, and, and people go for purely recreational reasons, um, and they they're not able to. Many of them are not able to complete the Camino, so they, they they take vacations that maybe for two weeks they'll walk a segment and then come back the next year and walk the next segment and eventually complete the Camino that way. But some people are, are kind of fitness nuts as well, and they try to see how fast they can do the Camino. Um, there are, um, um, you know, walking is a, a much more popular sport, a way of past the time than our hobby than it is here in this country, I think. 
There, mm -hmm. uh, there are many opportunities, and this is just one more on the bucket list. So, uh, um, you know, so I think there's a, a wide variety, but there are many who, who do go for spiritual reasons. That's, that's why I went. And I was uh, going to ask you, what was your motivation, Dave? Yeah, well, um, my, <clears throat> my brother-in-law, um, Jesse Brown, and my sister, um, who happens to be a, a deacon in the Episcopal Church, uh, uh, they live in the Rocky Mountains uh, near Denver, and uh, Jesse has a real passion for uh, Caminos, uh, for, for walking this Camino. And uh, so he, he uh, asked if I would be interested in doing it uh, maybe a, a year ago. And, uh, um, well, the time didn't seem right, but this year... Um, you know, I'd lost my wife uh, a year ago. Um, <clears throat> I, f I still need to grieve her passing. Mm -hmm. And then, <clears throat> frankly, I, I wanted to get some answers from God as to what I'm supposed to do now. Uh, we had been married for 45 years. Uh, she was the light of my life. Um, because, because of her, I'm a Catholic. Because of her, I'm a deacon. And so um, it was a big life change. Mm -hmm. So my question to the Lord is, okay, what do you want to do with what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? What's your will? And uh, I guess one of the first questions is, do I still be a deacon? Mm -hmm. Because uh, in other words, who am I now? Um, uh, but that's there, a question we all need to ask ourselves on a regular basis, isn't it? Oh, sure, sure. And and one certainly doesn't have to go on the Camino to get answers. No. Um, but this seemed like a, a time when. When uh, it was right, and uh, things just sort of fell into place, and I had the time to, to do it. And it sounds as though your brother-in-law was very persuasive. Well, he's uh, uh, he is single-minded in things. Uh, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's the brother-in-law I deserve. You know, <laughs> uh, he's uh, his background is uh, he's a, 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 an accountant, and uh, so he is uh, very information-oriented, uh, exact. And he was a great guy to have on the on the trip because he could plan everything, and mm -hmm. uh, I could just sort of sit back and enjoy, which I I took full advantage of. But but he uh, uh, he and I would uh, you know we we'd kind of get on each other's nerves a little bit. Uh, we'd often stay in um, places where um, a small room, three single beds, um, me, my sister, and and, and Jesse, and uh, um, you know he he would complain about my snoring. And uh, I would make no apologies for that. I just yeah. uh, we just don't try axe retreats. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. So, <clears throat> so we would have extended prayer time on the trail, mm -hmm. which meant we we would walk separately, uh, give give ourselves about a hundred hundred yards. Uh, so, if you really had, uh, in a sense, your your mind and your heart were still that Psalm forty six verse ten, be still and know that I am God. And you weren't still in walking, but you were your your personage became still, so God could speak to you. Yeah, what I wanted to do more than anything, Gene, was to just walk and pray, walk and pray, and I was able to do that, and it was it was it was refreshing. It mm -hmm. really was. I was able to uh, just you know the, all I had to do that day was get up, get dressed, and walk um, ten, twelve miles, uh, or whatever, and. Uh, and spend time with God, and mm -hmm. and um, I I fell in love with the Rosary again, all over again. It was one of my wife's favorite prayers, and uh, I tried to pray it every day for her and for mm -hmm. uh, so many in the community here that uh, I had in mind. Uh, it was uh, 
it, it was a time also for me to just slow down. It's so easy, Gene, to get, for me at least, to get caught up in where I was or where, where I'm going and uh, where I've got to be, you know, the next appointment or whatever. And I just don't take any time to savor the moment. And it's in the moment that, that we <laughs> live our lives. So yeah. what you did is you took time to look at God's GPS. <laughs> Very good. And, <clears throat> and to see him in places that I really hadn't uh, looked that hard before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spain is a, a magnificent country, uh, and it is so beautiful. The, uh, we were there in the spring. Uh, we left in mid-April, got back in uh, first week of June. And uh, the weather was moderate. Um, the wheat fields were so green they hurt your eyes. And uh, uh, there were bouquets of flowers everywhere, just sort of just there for, for the pure enjoyment. And uh, I just, um, it, it, to, to, to reconnect with God and on that basis was, was just a wonderful blessing for me. My guest today is Deacon Dave Mays, and he's talking about his Camino de Santiago, of Santiago de Compostela. And uh, it occurs to me that you don't just say, well, let's see, how quickly can I get this get there? You, you decide today that you're going to go on the Camino, so you buy your ticket on Iberia Airlines and uh, pack up and go. There has to be some preparation involved in that. How did you prepare for that? Oh, Dave? yes, and I, I did that with some trepidation, Gene, because— uh, you know, just the idea of walking that far, uh, well, it was frightening. And uh, I, I'd never done that in my life. Uh, I, you know, in Texas, you walk because you ran out of gas or your car won't, won't, won't start. Or uh, for me, I get the tractor hung up or, or get the truck hung up and go back to the barn and get the tractor. You know, that's, the, that's when I walk. And, and so uh, I did take uh, hikes in the mornings um, here in uh, around the house, uh, around uh, home. Uh, and you're out in the country. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was able to to cover uh, m- maybe half a distance in a day. That gave me some confidence. Uh, but, I, you know, I never carried a backpack before. And uh, so I, I had to kind of figure out, okay, what am I taking and how much is that going to weigh? It weighed about 14 pounds, which sounds, hey, that's that's easy. And I thought, yeah, that's easy. But day after day, week after week, I had a crick in my back. I felt like a camel without the hump when I finally took the, the thing off. I just, um, um, and of course, as I tell the story late, in later years, the, the pack will get heavier and heavier. But uh, it, it was 14, 14 pounds. And uh, uh, I, I tell you, I, uh, <clears throat> I ran into some difficulty right off the bat with the, uh, when I got on the Camino. You did? Yeah. Um, I, about day three, I... Uh, I stepped on a rock wrong, and I, I sprained the arch in my foot, and it was a very painful sprain. It was a re-spraining. I'd sprained it when I was trying to get ready for this thing, and uh, and uh, gee, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to continue. Mm-hmm. Here it was, day three, and the first thing I all I could think about was, you know, here I'd here I'd talked big at the parish and gotten high fives and back slaps from everybody, and and here I was, I may have to go home. You know, on day three, saying, "Guys, I, you know, I, I just couldn't do it," um, and I, of course, I realized at that moment how ego involved I was in this whole thing, and how you know I was never in charge. God is, and so I prayed, "God, if if you want me to continue this Camino, just heal me up. If not, um, I will eat my big slice of humble pie and just limp home." Uh, but it's it was a good lesson for me uh, always 
to uh, realize how much in control God is, how little control I have. And he really, he guided my every step. Fortunately, I was able to walk through that. Uh, but it was, um, it was, um, it was, it was unsettling and, and did concerning. You, did you have to take a day or two off to? Well, I didn't, but my sister did. She became, she about a third of the way through the trip, um, you know, I, I guess about day uh, 15 or so, she developed tendonitis in her ankle and it was very, very painful. And, you know, it just came out of the blue. She wasn't expecting it. She'd done some training, hiking uh, in the mountains and, and, uh, and yet there it was. So we, we took four days off to, to rest her ankle. And uh, again, we weren't sure whether we were going to make it from that point on or not. But uh, Jesse, being the, the planner and the, uh, the optimist that are, and, and the, having the determination to figure out how to make this happen, you know, we, we, we've <coughs> we were able to arrange for her to take a taxi on half the trip, half a, a day's journey. And... Uh, <coughs> And then her backpack was also something that this doctor that we met with said she shouldn't be carrying the backpack and she should also get better shoes. So we got her some Spider-Man shoes uh, instead of the heavy boots. We, we, uh, we arranged a, 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 an outfit called Jackaltrans that was able to take the, uh, the bag from one, p- one place to the other for her. And she took a taxi about halfway uh, on the day's distance and was there sipping coffee for us, waiting for us in, a, in an outdoor restaurant while we showed up, and then we went on with our journey. And and uh, had she already ordered for you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I give all praise to my brother-in-law for for figuring that out. We uh, uh, <clears throat> we we found <clears throat> two apps really helpful. <clears throat> Bookings Bookings dot com. Uh, mm-hmm. We could arrange our our stay, and I, I want to say that we we didn't do the the um, uh, the full Camino adventure. In other words, that would be you, you you stay in albergues where you're there sleeping with uh, forty of your newest best friends, sharing three bathrooms or so in a in a large uh, house with bunk beds. Um, and my sister says, you know, we we're we're at an age where we uh, we probably ought to have a bathroom that we can the three of us could share. And I think that was a good decision. So uh, so we would we're able to arrange. You know our, our uh, places that we'd stay next through this uh, through this app, uh, bookings.com. That made it helpful. Now, you, if if you did anything like the people in the movie of the way, you met some interesting folks along the way. Yes, yes, we did, and uh, <clears throat> there were um, there were uh, um, just a, a number of characters that we met. Um, <clears throat> there were people who. There was a, a guy, um, David, for who for ten years, uh, about halfway through, the, along the trip, at, at a high point in 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 where pilgrims would particularly be tired and thirsty, <clears throat> he he is he provided um, uh, fruit, vegetables, uh, things to eat, uh, things to drink, and uh, all he asked was for a donation, and he'd been doing that for ten years, and that was that was just something that he. That was his gift to the pilgrims, mm-hmm. and he he was there for oh uh, five months out of the year, and then I guess went off and did something else. Uh, but but was there for for most of the pilgrims who traveled during the spring and summer months. And I'm sure that was something that was very refreshing and welcome. At yes, that point. yes, it was just a, a a grace. And 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 there was another guy named Evan who was building a park for pilgrims. Uh, Another part of the journey that uh, it would just be a place to rest and relax. He had hammocks strung out. He had uh, 
uh, flowers planted, just a, a, a place to, to kind of re, re, uh, re, what am I saying, trying to say, re, re, uh, uh, refresh oneself. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> there was a fellow that uh, met from Poland who was uh, uh, coming, <clears throat> we, we met him coming, coming back, uh, and we said, well, wait a minute, have you already been to Santiago? He said, yes, I'm on my way back. And which is, of course, you know, the way that in the in medieval times, that's that's what pilgrims did. You know, walk back. they once you get to the to the holy place, well, you just got to turn around and walk back and uh, <laughs> another 500 miles or however farther it is. Or he maybe <clears throat> was, walked all the way to Poland. Who knows? Well, yeah. Yeah. But he was he was going to be a dad and his uh, his wife was in Germany and he wanted to take time to pray and help God, ask that God to help him be a dad that he needs to mm -hmm. be. And uh so that was that was inspiring, and uh, uh, it was um, we, the Spanish people generally were so welcoming to us, and uh, you know uh, we we tried to go to mass daily mass whenever we could, Gene, and uh, there was always a, a special blessing given to the pilgrims. The pilgrims were called up to uh, mm -hmm. be blessed in one place, uh, Osibrero, which is oh, I'm, I'm butchering the name Osibrero, which is up in the mountains, and it's a very small little town, but they, they have a, uh, <clears throat> a church that's been there for a thousand years. And <clears throat> there was a priest uh, that was very young, he, uh, but he had a very special mass for pilgrims in the evening. He, uh, he, uh, um, the readings were read in different languages, must have been six different languages. Um, at, at the sign of peace, he went around and hugged every person in the church, and there must have been 80 of us. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and just made us feel so very welcome. At the, at the very end, just uh, as mass was concluding, he uh, <clears throat> there was a, a an alpine horn that was in the very back. None of us had seen, but this guy led off with uh, just a, a most beautiful hymn played on alpine horn, which you know those those commercials Ricole, you know that's it's it's this twelve foot horn, and all he was using was mouth and lungs, and uh, it was just it was just a beautiful grace note for the end of mass. Tell me a little bit, or tell our listeners a little bit about the destination. When you got there, what did you see, and and what were what were the emotions that you experienced when you 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 achieved the goal? Well, it was uh, it was truly wonderful, um, Gene, to finally get get there. My, my I tell you the truth, my first emotion was I don't have to carry this pack anymore. <laughs> just just relief, uh, and I. I you know, there was a point when I was really not sure whether I was going to make it or not. And so was, I, I thank God for being able to to enjoy this moment. And, of course, the Cathedral of St. James in Santiago is just this magnificent, beautiful structure that uh, it's just um, an amazing work of architecture and art. And, uh, um, you know, the, the tradition is you, you go to the great plaza and you have your picture taken in front of the church. And and uh, it, it was a joy. Uh to do that. Also, though, it was humbling to realize that, hey, for me, as I said, you know, I could get, I, I, I was going to ride a high-speed train um, from there to Madrid, you know, ride at 150 miles an hour and then catch a plane back home, whereas, uh, you know, in the old days, uh, the pilgrims would just turn around and go back. And this is the home of probably the world's largest sensor, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we got to see that in action. This is known as the Bota Fumiero. And uh, it's the size of, of a, a human being, a, a man. Uh, and uh, what they do at, at Mass is uh, this is a sensor. And uh, they light it up, uh, which is, you know, quite uh, impressive. 
And then there are these six burly men on, on ropes who get the thing to swinging. And it swings uh, from one transept to the other, which is uh, a, an amazing distance. My sister and I were sitting in one of the back rows of the transept, and we looked up, and there it was right over us. And we thank thought, God for strong ropes. Well, yeah, if that rope ever gave way, it would clear out quite a few pilgrims. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but so supposedly the legend has it, and of course it, it let out great, great uh, plumes of incense. Legend has it that this was not just a tourist attraction. It was, it was a necessity because pilgrims coming in, um, you know, baths were not uh, frequently taken. And so this church stunk uh, pretty, pretty severely. And so they, they came up with this solution of, you know, uh, incensing the crowd and therefore, uh, you know, making it a much more pleasant experience for all of us. Uh, it's, it's, it's early day glade. <laughs> right, right. The, the neat thing is, that how do you how do you stop this thing once it's once it's swinging? And that that was that was a neat little thing to see is that you know finally they they get it slowed down with the, working the ropes. But there was a, one guy who uh, another burly man who stood right there, sort of at the center, and he he grabbed the he grabbed the sensor and did a quick little pirouette. So he changed the force of it, and it just sort of just spun in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can just imagine the training that went on with that, how, how bumped and bruised he must have gotten yeah. trying to catch that thing uh, until, he, until he figured it out. We've got a, about a minute or so before we have to wrap it up. And if you got just a couple of minutes, um, just use that minute maybe to tell us a little bit about what you got out of the Camino. What, what did you receive uh, as a result of the Camino? All right, if you'd care to share that. Sure. Um, well, I, I mentioned some of those things. Things, uh, Gene. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't get a lot of answers to my uh, my prayer questions to the Lord, but uh, I also asked Him to help me work on some virtues. One of them was patience, and so I've I got a good dose of uh, lessons in patience there on the on the Camino. Um, I think it it overall um, it it gave me a, a renewed uh, appreciation of the gift of our faith. To, to realize that uh, we stand on the shoulders of so many who've gone before us. And it was just a, a privilege and a, um, uh, just a, a great sense of um, connectedness mm-hmm. to walk on the same paths that so many had, had trod. Um, you know, for, for, uh, uh, just for the, for the glory of God, for, for nothing more than to... Um, to to draw closer to the Lord, and it was it was a beautiful experience uh, in that way. If would you recommend that anybody go on this, or you, or what what are your thoughts about that? What why would one one want to go on the Camino, and what how would they go about doing that? Um, yeah, I th- I think uh, <clears throat> for one thing, you don't have to be a star athlete to do it. I was you know I'm I'm old and pudgy and. Uh, uh, I lost 10 pounds. It's, I don't consider that, you know, the, the, a great diet, but uh, it, uh, it certainly uh, uh, helped me <laughs> get, a little, uh, get a little of the fat off. But, but yeah, I would say that uh, anyone, uh, I, I'd recommend you not be 71 when you do it, you know, be a little <laughs> younger. Uh, the body's a bit more resilient that a, at that age. Uh, that was, 71's my age. I, I would say that um, um, basically it's, it's a time issue uh, to... To really give yourself time on the Camino, you you know you can do it in 33 days, but it's it's not uh, uh, give yourself more time than that. Five weeks, six weeks. We took seven weeks. 
Deacon Dave Mays, I thank you so much for being my guest today. Uh, those of you who want to hear more about this, uh, pick up the podcast. And until next week, I invite all of you to remember in, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Since you woke me.